0: Welcome to the More Equity podcast by Harlem Capital. Harlem Capital is a diversity-focused, early stage venture capital fund based in New York. We're on a mission to invest in 1,000 diverse founders over the next 20 years. We're launching the podcast with a series focused around female founders. Listen in as Harlem Capital fellow Angela Liu leads the conversation. In this series, we'll go deep on what it looks like to scale a business from the ground up, navigate a fundraising process, and overcome curveballs, all while defining success on your own terms. Expect vulnerable and thought-provoking conversation on constantly evolving issues such as lack of women in executive roles, the double standards applied to female founders, and the impact of venture capital on company growth and startup ecosystems at large. Today, we're speaking with badass Harlem Capital Portfolio founders, Mara and Naomi, the co-founders of Shine, a self-care app to help you through these uncertain times. Well, thank you both so much for hopping onto this call today. Um, To start off, I would love to hear what led you both to Shine.
1: Thank you so much for having us, Angela. At Shine, we're on a mission to make caring for your mental and emotional health easier more representative, and more inclusive of all of our experiences. So we started Shine essentially because we, we needed it. A big, a big reason was because for Mara and myself, Mara as a Black woman in America, myself as a half Japanese woman, we didn't see ourselves and our experiences represented in mainstream wellness. So our bodies, our skin color, our financial access, our past traumas, it all often felt really otherized. And we know that we were really lucky to meet as coworkers, and the support that we found in each other and in our, our friendship really changed everything. So that inspiration and our relationship really um, led us to know that to help more people cope and process and heal on a daily basis, they needed a solution that worked for them. And so that's what inspired us to build Shine and that's what we, helped, what we hope Shine does for our community. So we're on a mission to make caring for your mental and emotional health easier, more representative, and more inclusive. Yeah,
0: I love that. And as a woman of color as well, I can totally relate to to how you're feeling about mental health care representation. Um, You touched on your friendship and how you and Mara met, and I think you guys have an amazing origin story. Could you speak a little bit to how you met at Do Something and, and how your relationship deepened over time and ultimately led to both of you running a business like Shine? Yeah, Naomi and I met as, as co-workers, as she mentioned, and I think it was a really exciting time in our career because both of us were kind of in a, in a transitional place, whether we were taking on new types of roles or more senior roles. Both of us were kind of managing larger teams for the first time, figuring out what does it look like to be on a management team at a company and um, you know, interact with a board, things like that. Um, and I think both of us just felt both a level of you know, energy and excitement and fulfillment from being in this exciting place in our careers, and also total imposter syndrome and just the normal day-to-day stress and anxiety of uh, working in a place where you feel a lot of opportunity and a lot of pressure. Um, and I think we both recognize really early on in our meeting one another, how much our unique experience with stress and anxiety was impacted by our backgrounds. So, you know, we often talk about our non-traditional backgrounds, I'm doing air quotes, Um, and that was kind of our way of saying like, yeah, we're a little bit different than a lot of people who are in entrepreneurship now. But a few things that that means for us is, you know, I was the first in my family to go to college. Naomi went to four colleges in five years, two of which were community colleges, Um, We both have our own experiences kind of being otherized when it comes to the way we look um, and our own past traumas, our experience with, you know, our family dynamics, all of those things and, and really our intersectionality as people, as two women of color, absolutely colored and impacted how we thought about our stress and anxiety and so coming together what we were able to do was really support one another on a daily basis so coming together what we were able to do was really support one another on a daily basis both to kind of normalize what we struggled with to say hey i've been there you're not alone whatever the issue may be, whether that's feeling anxious about asking for a raise, feeling overwhelmed about working on your credit score, um, and maybe shame around your credit score, um, feeling confused or, or um, again, otherized around how you might think about relationships, all of these these things that we now call antecedents, were these, you know, day-to-day triggers that we all have that cause stress and anxiety, but we were able to really normalize that experience for one another and say, hey, that's not weird, you know, I've been there. And then secondarily, we were able to help each other move through it really work through the tough stuff. Um, not necessarily fixing all the challenges themselves, but, but working through the emotions that we were struggling with. And that was incredibly powerful. We very much knew that there was something unique we had found in our relationship with each other that we would often hear from our community, like, I wish I had that. Just people in our, our network, our friends and family would often say, I wish I had somebody that was with me as often as I'm thinking about how I'm feeling. And when we look to where they, you know, were turning at the time, there really wasn't anything that offered this kind of daily solution that made navigating with your emotional, navigating your emotional health as easy as talking to a friend. So people were either, you know, hacking it with Instagram accounts for, uh, you know, positivity or inspiration. Um, maybe people were. Uh, paying a lot of money for things like coaching, which is awesome if you can do that, but typically, you know, things like life coaching and sometimes even therapy can be pretty financially inaccessible. So you have a lot of people that are interested but aren't able to get access to it. Um, so long story short, we we absolutely rep- recognized a gap in the need that so many people had for daily emotional health support and the potential solution of something that was lightweight and conversational and really felt like you were talking to a friend um, with kind of what was currently out there that just wasn't really solving that problem. Yeah, it's amazing. I love that. I, I love how much of the product is founded in both of your, in your friendship. Um, And I think that really shows and contributes to how much users feel emotionally connected um, to Shine as well. And one last note on your relationship and, and how you work together before we move on to product and fundraising. Um, I know the two of you are close, both as work partners and friends, and I would love to hear how you both have navigated this kind of relationship where you're not only there for each other in a really meaningful way emotionally, but also as business partners. Um, so if you can maybe speak to some of the strategies or strategies you take, um, to maintain and, and help this kind of relationship flourish, that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah. So in terms of our relationship, you know, shine is so connected to how we met, as Mara you know, mentioned, and the relationship that we built to support each other. And so it's been really critical for us, both because of our friendship and the care that we have for each other, and also for the business and continually to evolve and uh, show up for the company and for ourselves, for us to essentially date, you know, both as friends and co-founders. It's similar to the advice that I th- that I think a lot of Married couples or committed couples get around um, still dating, even if you've been together for a while. Because so quickly, you know, life moves fast, and there's always things to do. There's always logistics that you might be working through. But if you're not being really intentional about taking a step back, taking a pause, and checking in with your partner and saying, "Hey, how how are you doing? How are you really doing? How's your family doing?" How's your partner doing? What's been really stressful this week? What can I do to support you? You like, will just lose what makes the magic of why you started the company. And so Mara and I have been very, very intentional about doing that. And so with COVID, you know, pre COVID, what that looks like is every Friday before our team weekly reflection, um, which is an all staff meeting where we get together and, practice what we preach essentially and reflect on our uh, moments of pride from the week, learnings from the week, Mara and I would do a similar thing, but just the two of us. And so we would go out, we would get lunch, we would get out of the office, just, you know, look at each other and catch up. And um, we still do that. Even though we're remote working now, we get that time um, every week where we can really just check in as, as founders. Yes. But first and foremost as partners and friends And that's been fundamental to us continuing to support each other at all, you know, scales of the business. The two other things that we've done tactically is allowing our relationship to evolve. So some really good advice that we got from a close friend of the company, Dr. Anna Raleigh, is that, you know, sometimes what gets you to point A might not be what gets you to point B and as founders where every year can feel like a really long time, making sure that you are continually checking in and understanding how you can evolve your support to your business partner, because what maybe worked in year one, isn't going to work in year two or year three and year four. And that growth mindset and the curiosity to always Go deeper with your partner. Figure out where you can um, support them in new ways is really important. And so, having fun with it too—just you know, viewing it as an opportunity for growth and learning more about yourself—and um, I, I mean, Mars taught me so much about myself just through our relationship, and that's been one of one of the many things that I'm I'm forever grateful for in working with her so so closely and um, in building Shine. And then the last point—I this really speaks to what we hope is a change in, or at least a, uh, an expansion of what does it mean to be a leader? What does it mean to be uh, a co founder, a co CEO, an uh, entrepreneur in the startup space? Is for us, you know, we're co founders and we're co CEOs. And early on, we got skepticism about that format because there was skepticism that two people could. As the company grows, as the pressure grows, continue to keep this co-CEO dynamic, and we we really reference it all back to first principle thinking. For Mara and myself, the collaboration, the support, the partnership that we get from each other for this company is gives so much to Shine. It makes Shine better. It makes ourselves better. It makes the team stronger. It helps to model leadership with collaboration, not leadership by force and there being one alpha or, you know, some of these toxic narratives that we've been grown up, we've been raised to believe are the only way. And so if everything starts with what's best for the business versus what will make me feel really good from an ego perspective, it's so much easier to make decisions as partners. It's so much easier to have really healthy disagreements around, um, things that impact the business because it's all going back to what's best for the business first and we get to be partners in that in that decision making and in that building but not making it about selfishness or ego or again a lot of the toxic narratives that have you know toppled down a lot of companies because ultimately that's not sustainable
0: yeah, I love that. Thanks thanks for walking through that, Naomi. Um, I personally think it's so inspiring how you and Mara handle your relationship and allow it to flourish over time. Um, and love the idea of co-founder dates too. Would love to move on to product. So. I think Shine plays a pretty unique role in the mental health care ecosystem. And for those who aren't familiar, could you walk us through quickly what Shine does and then expand on how you're hoping it fits into the landscape of a user's you know, use of therapy or talking to friends in person, etc. So Shine is a daily self-care app that helps you rest, heal and grow through difficulty and we chose that language very intentionally because we believe that at the intersection of mindfulness and tools like meditation um, things like therapy which you mentioned and uh, trauma um, there's so much opportunity to bridge the gap with a solution and a tool that helps people feel seen that helps them navigate their emotional health on a daily basis And it starts with with rest it starts with kind of the smallest thing which is how can you just make space for yourself to rest and and then it goes to healing and processing and ultimately um, the longevity of the product is about growing through the stuff that you struggle with Um, so i think in terms of how that comes to life in the product the most important piece of the product has actually been almost the same since we first started which is the daily shine So not exactly the same because when we first started Shine, we started Shine as a daily text. So the daily Shine was a text message that you would get every morning at 7.30 a.m. And we would pick a different theme rooted again in emotional health. So it could be around um, imposter syndrome as I mentioned that we experienced. It could be around representation burnout or the feeling of being the only one in a specific environment and really feeling the weight and exhaustion that can come from that. Um, and then we'll ultimately create a, a lightweight kind of conversation around that. Um, that happened with The Daily Text, and now, four years later, it is a core part of our mobile app that is, um, comes to life via a meditation. Um, we call it a meditation meets podcast, but the idea of The Daily Shine Today Um, It's voiced by an incredible woman on our team, Tiffany Walker, um, who kind of is the producer and and content creator and voice of The Daily Shine. And um, it's a really incredible window into that emotional health theme that she is not only leading a meditation about, but she's also incorporating voices from our community, voices from people in the self-care space. And then each day after you listen to the Daily Shine, you'll get to reflect on that with a kind of journaling prompt that we call check-in. And you can also reflect on it with our community. So the Daily Discussion is where you can go and say how you're feeling about that topic. You can get advice and support from other community members. And again, really that kind of toolkit of self-care is is what we've created and something we're, we're just really proud of. Yeah, that's amazing. I love hearing how the product has evolved over time. And um, I've heard that part of what's inspired you to start Shine in the first place was something called representation burnout. Um, I think you may have touched on this a little bit earlier already, but could you speak to what that is and how you hope Shine can help combat that for your users who might feel the same way?
1: Yeah. So as, as Mara mentioned, representation burnout is this feeling of exhaustion that comes from being the only person of a particular identity in an environment. And by being the only, it is uh, a heavy burden that is put on you by people to represent uh, an identity, a community, and uh, ultimately make you feel very otherized. What's been powerful for us, uh, specifically when we, we did an, a daily shine around representation burnout, was the overwhelming response from our community for saying, thank you for giving me the words. I've felt this my entire life. I just had an experience with this. I didn't know what to call it, but now I know what, what it is. And specifically, there was a woman who was 65, who was a teacher, who said that this is something that representation burnout is something she has felt for over 30 years in her career and again she never she never knew what to call it and so by giving our community the language we're helping to release some of that burden by saying this is what you're experiencing this is why you're experiencing it both the micro and macro systemic causes uh, behind this or you know racist systems that have made you feel like you are other because you're not this one thing. And what happens when we're able to give our community and particularly our community that over indexes for marginalized backgrounds, the language to express some of these experiences is we help them feel seen. So we help them feel seen because if we're at shine, if we're talking about representation, burnout, There's a reason that we're talking about it. It means that so many other people around the world are experiencing that. And so that idea of feeling less alone in what you're struggling with has been really powerful. We're also uh, giving people a chance to connect with others through the Shine community in app. So in this day, uh, the specific day that we talked about representation burnout, the amount of responses from our community where people were sharing, this is how it showed up for me this is what it felt like. This is how I've tried to process it. And giving our community the chance to interact with one another to process that experience together. Again, most importantly, just helping people feel less alone in what they're going through. I mean, so often what happens is we feel things that are so isolating or make us feel like we're the only one that we suffer in silence. And what's been really powerful for us to see from the Shine community is people um, collectively and, you know, with us as that friend that's there for them, helping to break that silence and say, you are not the only one.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think it's amazing that in addition to that clear, really strong community of emotional support, there's that very important educational component to it, too, where you're really just helping people put names to their experiences. Um, So I think that's really important. Um, Zooming out a bit, I would love to hear your take on the issue of access and representation of mental health, Um, as both of you have touched on. um, As many people know, there are lots of racial and ethnic as well as socioeconomic disparities in access to mental health care. And so many other factors contribute to inequality in this area as well. Um, Would love to hear how you took into account issues of equity and inclusion when you were building out Shine's offerings. Yeah, I think as we, we talked about with our founding story, this hits home so much in terms of why we started Shine. We very much created this company in the name of fundamentally shifting representation in mental health, and in this moment, representing and supporting Black mental health has really never mattered more. Um, so, to your point, just you know, to get specific about some of those inequities, we know that Black Americans are 20% more likely to have serious psychological distress. And while anxiety is the most common mental health disorder in the US, it impacts Black Americans at a higher rate than any other group, especially Black women. Um, Anxiety, depression, all of those things hit us harder. Um, And the research actually shows that depressive occurrences can be more destabilizing, more persistent, and more resistant to treatment than those experienced by white people. Um, And then, of course, we have our own mental health disorders as Black people. Research shows that actually... Um, There's something called racial battle fatigue, which comes from the chronic experiences of racism and microaggressions in America um, and obviously other cultures. And that includes anxiety, worry, hypervigilance, um, headaches, increased heart rate, blood pressure, kind of all these physical and psychological symptoms um, that come from just racism, right? Whether that's uh, day-to-day racism that is more overt to all the way to systemic racism and how our bodies kind of experience that. And, of course, that's all in addition to just generational trauma, right? Like, what does it look like that I – what does it mean that I have the same cells as my ancestors who were slaves? Like, what does that mean about my own um, ability to handle stress and trauma? Um, What does it mean about kind of just the way in which I function in my day-to-day life, right? Like, we have to look at those um, scientifically – proven connections genetically. So there's a wealth of, of um, research around this topic and there's so much more to be done. But I think to your question, what how, how do we take into that into account and how might other companies consider um, being specific about black mental health and about the disparities that we're seeing. I think first and foremost representation is, is the most important thing you can do pretty much across any category of improving racial inequities. So first it starts with our team. I think um, this time has been a really powerful and also really interesting as a company that is mostly, IPOC, BIPOC, um, and, you know, 30% Black, I'm Black as a a co-founder of Shine, and it's been really interesting to kind of see companies react to this kind of global uprising against systemic racism um, and apply solutions to just very broken foundational infrastructures, um, which tends to mean the solutions are going to be broken as well. Um, a lot of this stuff kind of needs to be rewritten from the ground up. And um, I think being a company that is, is founded by people of color and is mostly people of color and mostly just marginalized communities across the board is, uh, has what, you know, is what has made our product so representative and inclusive and impactful since the beginning. You know, there was no like quota or initiative, And um, not to say that those aren't needed, but in our case, it just was natural for us to um, hire people who had um, a strong sense of resilience and had experienced um, most likely some sort of trauma in their life. Um, And I think what's so beautiful about that in the product is it's represented in the people who create our product, the people who voice our meditations and, and write our meditations in um, our community. So you know, 90% of our content is actually created and voiced by black women in our app. And that's reflected in our community. Our community over indexes for the national population of black women um, twice as much. And so I think you'll start to see more and more of that, of people and products and services representing what the world looks like, um, if you can actually you know, hire for that and find that in the company itself. So there's so many other, you know, this could be a whole other hour long conversation around racial inequities and mental health. But I think something that we did that shouldn't be that radical, that was Apparently so was really just representing what the world looks like and focusing on an overrepresentation of marginalized experiences from from the jump. Just focusing on um, people of color, particularly women of color, particularly Black women, um, since the beginning of our founding, and and of course making sure that all of our content and our experiences are inclusive and um, that all people are able to really see ourselves see themselves in our experience. Definitely. I love that concept of building by and for marginalized communities. Um, And thank you for, for also honing in on that issue of Black mental health. I think we're at a time where companies and individuals are being pressed on how they can be better allies. And these issues have never been closer to the forefront of national consciousness. So really appreciate that. So jumping to fundraising and your experience with raising venture capital, which was a key part in helping bring Shine to, shine to Life, um, I would love to hear as a well-being company and one looking for a more representative version of well-being, is there anything specific that you were looking for in an investor as you were raising your Series A? Yes, 100%. I think the most important thing that might sound obvious, but can be can be challenging, you know, like in any industry is is just finding a really good human. Um, These are very long, um, very close relationships. And you want to work with people that can be supportive and, you know, tout you and be so excited for you um, through the good times, of course, but especially the tougher times. And that's why we always, always do um, reference checks, uh, kind of backdoor reference checks and and talking with people that we might not get directly from the investor, but we just kind of know Um, the investor has worked with because you want to hear from people who maybe haven't been in the press lately or maybe had to fold their company Um, and not, of course, because that is anything you're thinking about on your roadmap as a company, but, but you just want to know how does that investor deal with difficult times and how are they, what do they lead with? What are their values? How are they supportive? Um, a couple other things I would say is, is certainly value add, which again might feel obvious, but um, I think uh, you would be surprised at sometimes you know investors that might come from these really big name, um, sexy VC firms that aren't really willing to get their hands dirty, and they might be a great name, which certainly has some weight for you know raising your next round and saying oh so and so invested in us, but we're not that interested in that. We're really interested in um someone that we can call up and say like hey we're dealing with this issue for the first time do you have any insight or hey i you know stalked your instagram and saw that you met with this person at this company the other day and i really need to get in touch with them can you introduce me um whatever that looks like somebody who's really willing to get their hands dirty is just so important um and then of course representation that's not going to be surprising because we talk about representation a lot as a company in our values but Most of our investors are people of color and women of color. And that isn't something that we, you know, necessarily again had a specific number that we were looking to fill. But again, I think by nature of who we are is part of who we attracted and is incredibly important when we take a step back and decide who we're taking money from, that those people are representative of as much as possible, obviously, with Given the the gaps that we see in venture capital, um, that they're representative of um, the world as it is, and of course of our community. So those are a few things, um, and then I think you know one of the, the trickier things to find can be investors who look for founder market fit. There are some investors who get really, really excited about product and really want to tell you all the things that they think you should do with your product, and they have all these ideas. They want to spend a lot of time with you, and that's great. I think as much as you can find people that align on your most important pieces of your business is incredible. But also, having a balance with that kind of skill set and the investor understanding that, as the founders of a company like Shine, it's not something that You know, we came out of business school, you know, because we didn't go to business school. So it's not something we came out of business school and said, you know, we have so many ideas for companies that could make all this money. Like, which one should we start? It's something that truly came from our hearts and came from a problem that we experienced and, you know, really is our life's work. And so someone um, who who understands the importance of founder market fit and understands kind of where to lean in and, and also where to take a step back um so yeah just shout out to our investors as well because this like check mark you know of, of being a good human and value add representation founder market fit these are all things we have and are just really really special group of investors across you know daniel galati from comcast nahal at Eniac, matt hartman BetaWorks, and of course you know Henri and the entire team at harlem capital we've just we you know there's so many to mention but We just have a really stellar group of investors who have made us feel so seen, so supported, have been there through the really tough times in the company and have absolutely like sung our praises in the amazing times and, you know, made those connections and gotten their hands dirty. And I know that's not the case for so many founders, especially founders of color. So we're just, we're really incredibly grateful that we've been able to really find this cohort of investors who has our back and also represents Um, what we look for in really good people and good partners. Yeah, definitely. Congratulations on building up such an incredible investor base, and also thank you for sharing that really tactical advice. Um, I think the idea of founder market fit is super interesting and definitely something people should be talking about just as much as as product market fit. Since you know, product market fit does tend to evolve so much over time, and and who the founders are really um, you know doesn't change and is something that is much more lasting. Um, last question. Um, I would love to zoom out and and hear a little more about your lives and how you're approaching, you know, building Shine and and measuring success um, more holistically. So I think part of what I love so much about Shine is that it looks at self-care and mental health in a very holistic way. And in doing so, the app really appeals to millennials and Gen Zers, who are very ambitious, ambitious very passionate um, about creating a life for themselves that they love. And so as we're all trying to balance taking care of ourselves and working and building this life, um, to close, I would love to ask both of you, how do you define success in your career and in your life?
1: Yeah, I, I, I love this question. Thank you, Angela. Um, I, I can I can start. So in terms of what, how, how we define success, I mean, even that question in and of itself is so big, right? Because of the, the pressures and the images and the ideas of what success is supposed to be. And so personally, I really love that our generation is challenging this idea of the, the perfect work-life balance, um, which can often feel like a moving target and like you've never fully arrived. So it's just chasing this, this idea that isn't really real. And so for me, something that I've been working on uh, as I you know, get older and as I have more experiences and as I'm trying to figure out what, what actually feels right in terms of uh, fulfillment, because even happiness can feel really loaded as this you know, finite destination. So for me, I'm striving for more feelings of fulfillment. And part of that includes recognizing that You know, often the sum of our life is made up of a lot of really small, meaningful, everyday moments versus these huge, momentous, you know, massive milestones, next level feelings of joy. And journaling has really helped me with that to really see that often what I'm reflecting on are just everyday moments of joy with people that matter to me, working on things that matter to me. And trying as best as humanly possible, it's always a challenge to being present in those, those everyday moments. So I want to be fulfilled, you know, where I'm spending my time professionally, that really matters. I have a lot of identity in what I do and how I'm spending this time on earth from a professional standpoint, impact standpoint. And I'm really privileged to be in a position where the work that I do allows me to also pay the bills and help take care of myself and my family. And then the other thing, and this is really why, you know, my relationship with Mara matters so dearly to me, is that I want to be fulfilled by the people I spend time with. I want to learn from the people that I'm working with. And I really gravitate towards people that challenge me, help me see new perspectives, and ultimately energize me with their approach to being alive. Yeah,
0: I don't think I'm gonna add anything <laughs> anything better than that. I think that just is so beautifully said, and um, I I think we would all just be so fortunate to live a life in that way. And I, I just think that's so beautifully said. So on my end, what a success looks like, it looked like is just a big plus one to what Miyomi Hirabayashi said around especially around being present and I think um, this idea of just really rejecting striving. Like striving is is great and it's such an a part. it's such a part of American culture and capitalism and consumerism and all things that we're actively involved in and also just accepting and being present and focus on your focusing on your day and your the moments within your day i think is a, a the most important thing and such a powerful way to live your life because if you are constantly striving for the next thing i promise you and we have felt this firsthand when you get there you won't appreciate it. You will be striving for the next thing. Um, I can't tell you how many times within our company and certainly personal life, um that we've said oh as soon as we race that next round then we can really enjoy it (laughs) then we can relax like as soon as we get that higher you know it it feels so easy to constantly strive for that next major milestone and it it really just diminishes the the enjoyment of the milestone itself when you're not able to learn the practice of really being present and accepting and loving your day-to-day Um, obviously we all have different privilege levels and it looks very different for everyone, but as Naomi said, I think we're just in such a a fortunate position to be doing work that does fulfill us and also economically sustains us. And so, um, yeah, just a big plus one to what you said, Naomi, I think just being, being present and accepting our day-to-day and loving our day-to-day is also what success looks like for me. That was really beautifully said. Thank you both so much for taking the time to share some of your wisdom with us. And we're wishing you every success with Shine in the future and can't wait to see where you take the company. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check out our other female founder interviews for even more insights and advice. To stay connected to all things Harlem Capital, you can find us on Twitter at Harlem Capital. Until next
1: time, keep building.